Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you develop and deliver workshops that kill. Now, if you've listened to the show for some time, you may notice that my voice over guy did not reveal an interesting fact about me at the beginning of this episode. And that's because I've decided to switch things up a little. Look, he'll be back with an interesting fact next week, but uh, stay tuned to what I've got planned for you, which I'll mention shortly. But first, uh, this episode is sponsored by my LinkedIn profile. I'd love if you would view the show notes for this episode and connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, Why? I love just getting more exposure to people around the world in different industries and their thought leadership. Um, So I'd love to hear from you, see where you're from. So you can find a link uh, to my LinkedIn profile in the show notes for this episode at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode 71. That's right. It's episode 71, which means I've been doing this for 71 weeks straight. And I thought, hey, it's time to mix up the format a little bit. So you'll still have first time facilitator episodes delivered to you every Monday. However, what the format will look like now is we'll have a solo mini-sode from yours truly, on a Monday, follow the following week uh, by an interview and then back to a solo mini-sode. Now, these solo mini-sodes will really be about more kind of practical, uh, sorry, practical, actionable things about facilitation uh, from my perspective. And then the interview format will remain completely the same. So, finding amazing facilitators around the world and asking them how they do it. Now, I decided to change to this format mainly for one main reason, and that's because I got a lot of really great uh, feedback for the 12 Rules for Facilitation, and I think people like the idea of having kind of shorter episodes, which give them the tools and skills and, I guess, my spin on things as well and my take on what you can do to up your facilitation game. So, I think doing that interspersed with episodes will keep things fresh and moving along as well. What do you think about the format change? Uh, This is an experiment. So again, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And like I said at the beginning, I just love connecting with listeners. So shoot me a DM on LinkedIn or a DM on Instagram. I'm on there at Leanne Hughes. Now today's mini-sode will be about my experience at the Clifton Strengths Conference I recently attended and spoke at in Omaha, Nebraska. And I really want to share what they did well. Um, I'm doing this because I know that you might be an organisational manager or leader, you might be an L&D person, a facilitation that works internally in a company, a facilitator who works externally, or you just could be pivoting your career. I mean, either way, if you're listening to to this, it's probably because you enjoy the process of learning. Uh, So, I'm making the assumption that you also enjoy attending conferences or you might be at a stage where you're helping someone out with organising a conference or organising your own conference, which is great. Hey, congratulations if you are. So, whoever you are, I just want to share some cool things they did at this conference to help you out. And look, some of it isn't rocket science at all, but I think it's worth exploring and mentioning because sometimes if you do miss these things, 
you know, you may not hit the mark with your conference or you may unintentionally um, make people feel excluded or threatened in some way um, through a social response. So, like I said, it's not intentional, but just some things to think about when you are organising these type of events. Uh, and I will get Adam Musto on the podcast as well. So, like I said, I attended the conference and also spoke at a breakout session, which was co-facilitated with Adam Musto. We met through this podcast, which is just unreal. And we got to meet in person in Omaha. He picked me up from the airport. Uh, and we're going to do a bit of a debrief as well in terms of how we actually co-facilitated that without ever meeting up face-to-face. So how did we plan that? And then how did we execute it on the day when we only met each other the day before? That was an interesting challenge and I think we delivered, which was awesome. You may have listened to episode 44, um, going back a few episodes there, where I did a solo episode on how to create rewarding workshop experiences using the SCARF model, one of my favorite models. It's a neuroleadership model. Um, So I thought I'd use SCARF again to share how this conference was so awesome. And if you haven't heard of SCARF, no worries, you're in for a little bit of a lesson in neuroleadership. Not too much though, um, as well as conference hacks. But I won't get too in-depth into the explanation of SCARF. Um, how I'm using it in this episode today is to really categorise some things that the conference organisers did well or that were interesting in relation to the conference. So what SCARF is, it was a term coined by uh, David Rock. He's actually based in Sydney and New York City for um, six months of the year. What a cool life. Uh, but SCARF centres around the idea that social threats are perceived by our brains with the same intensity as actual physical threats. So, in other words, our brain is sending out the signal that we're in danger. So, if you feel a threat response in a social situation, it triggers the same response that your brain would have if you fell over or someone punched you in the nose. Um, so the word SCARF is an acronym for the five key domains that influence our behaviour in social situations. So these words are S for status, C for certainty, A for autonomy, R for relatedness, and F for fairness. And I will sort of share the definition of each of these as I go into how the conference organisers use SCARF or how I have drawn links to SCARF and the conference as we go through each letter. As I mentioned, S is for status and this is our relative importance to others, so how we feel in comparison to someone else. Now, the most obvious way this was brought out was there were different coloured lanyards. So, if you had a name tag and you had a black square on it, it meant that you worked for Gallup. If you had a blue one, it meant that you were a Gallup certified coach. And if you had a green one, it meant that like me, you were an average Joe. (laughs) Uh, That's right. I'm not Gallup certified yet, but now, man, I definitely want a blue badge. So how this played out in terms of status? Well, it was very easy to see. It was very visible. It was on like your your name lanyard. Um, I guess the perception was from someone wearing green that if you spoke to someone that had a blue card, blue name card, they might have more experience. Well, they had more exposure to strengths because they had been through the accreditation process. And look, they may not be accurate, but it was my perception, which is what um, social threats and, and rewards are all about. It's all about your perception of it. 
Um, and I definitely want a blue one because I've obviously come back from this conference with Gallup and Clifton and the strengths assessment just pumping through my veins. I've sat in breakouts and keynote speeches where I see the importance of this tool and how great it is and effective it is. Uh, so that's why I'm gunning for a blue name tag next time I attend. So I guess with the move of showing everyone the different colours, you could visually tell who had invested in their strengths development. And from a marketing perspective, it also worked a treat. Here I am now talking about how much I want a blue name card for next year. So you may or you may not want to use something like this at your conference. Status was used here to demonstrate the different levels of experience in terms of investment in the strengths tool. But if you want to sort of create something which has more equality, perhaps, you could use colours in other ways. So in ways that are arbitrary that don't really mean anything. You could use it to break up people in a group session. So, you know, find a person with a red, um, red name card, which doesn't actually mean anything, but it's just, like I said, a way to associate it with activity use. So one thing to take note of next time you're organising a conference, and if you want people to start gunning for higher status, uh, use colours in their name lanyards. The next item was certainty, and this is our ability to predict the future. We like to know what's ahead of us, and this is where they owned it. So the app that they created for the conference was Next Level, and Andy, I know from, uh, sorry, shout out to Andy from Banana Life. He's been on a previous episode, Andy Belzat. He uses something similar with his team building activities, and this app was tremendous. It had all the information that you needed people it was released about, oh, I think, four to six weeks before the conference. So you could start logging in, updating your profile and scanning the attendance list, which was cool. It was all branded with Gallup and Clifton Strength stuff, but I think they used a company called Glizzer or Glyser, G-L-I-S-S-E-R, to create it. The gamification element was excellent. So you had to upload your picture uh, and a biography beforehand. And they also had a game with points. So if you messaged another attendee on the app, you got points. If you posted a photo to the so social feed, you got points. And there was like a sort of um, tally board of group leaders. And it really kind of, there was a lot of sort of in-jokes about all the achievers and those with competition in their top five that really wanted to um, hack that and just win the gamification side of the app. It's an inside joke for all strengths people. Uh, so you could view the agenda and opt into the sessions using the app. And when breakout sessions were full, it told you. You also had a QR code on your name tag. Uh, so if you were registered, you went to that breakout session and they had people scan you in. And this gave you certainty that there was an empty seat for you, which is always, always nice. It's nothing worse than walking in and trying to find a seat. Um, Transport was another thing, and I know most conferences do this, but again, I'm just highlighting things against scarfs so you can see why they create a certain level of experience. Um, they had a whole tab about how to get to the venue and they'd organised courtesy buses which regularly did trips to and from the venue at certain hours of the day, which eliminate that question of how do I get to the venue? So certainty is all about answering the questions that people are going to have up front, giving them all the information that they need. And this is where the Gallup conference, I think, really delivered was through the sensational app. 
and the amount of support and people they had there that you could just ask questions um, from. So that was excellent. Moving on to autonomy, and this is our sense of control over events. So a bit of a confession. On the Tuesday night, um, we delivered our session. I think it was 3.30 in the afternoon. It was the last breakout session. And then there was... uh, an event on and Adam kept saying right after this event we need to go to karaoke and I was like yeah 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 but in the back of my mind I was thinking nah I mean I was already sleep deprived from having too big a week in New York City my sleep patterns were everywhere and I really wanted just an early night so at 6 p.m Gallup organizers I'd booked out this whole two level bar in town and they put on all these awesome games like Um, life-size Jenga and Cornhole, which Cornhole is awesome. Um, I love that game. And there was just amazing food and free booze on as well. And the sun didn't set till like 8.30, so it didn't feel like it was the evening. Um, By about nine o'clock, though, Adam was still keen on karaoke. And of course, at this point in time, I'm very easily manipulated. And we had an awesome group with us who were all keen. So we said yes and went to the venue. And then fast forward a few hours... And it's like 11.30, 12. And I I just couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, man, I need to go. I need to go. So the next morning, wake up at 7.30 a.m. Still, like, I was tired. The whole trip was um, intense, but great fun. Um, But the closing ceremony on day two kicked off at 8.30. But A, I needed to eat because I was starving. And B, I had to pack everything because I had to check out of my hotel as I was leaving for a flight straight after the conference. And because I wasn't really focused or with it, it took me close to two hours to do this. So I ended up missing the closing ceremony and a breakout on day two. So this is a confession because no one really knows that. But I felt really guilty. However, a good thing on the app was that you could select not attending the session, which is what I did to free up some space for someone else to attend. And it's just nice having that option in the app because you didn't feel as guilty. You had the autonomy to say, I'm not going to go to this session. I'm actually just going to take a break. And when I did arrive, like I didn't feel guilted. Uh, In fact, I ended up having some great conversations with Gallup staff, um, picking up some strengths cards I can now use in workshops. And I also met Murray Guest. Uh, So Murray was a guest, excuse the pun, on a previous episode of the podcast. He is very popular. He's probably the most popular Aussie in Omaha that week. He's been to all uh, four of the previous conferences and he lives in Newcastle, Australia, which is only a one-hour flight from Brisbane, but we ended up meeting in Omaha, which was really cool. Now, not being guilted, I know that's just a personal thing and you've got a choice, but this is very different uh, from when I attended a Tony Robbins event in Sydney a few years ago, um, where over the course of three and a half days, that was an exhausting conference where you're up till midnight on the first night. Um, but you kind of felt guilty for not attending a session like you weren't um, hard enough, but I didn't get the same vibe from this conference, which I liked. And the other great thing about autonomy is that we were given a choice about which breakout session to attend. And they gave us all of the information, the speaker bios and the topics to make an informed choice. Opting into a stream during the day meant that you were getting the information that you wanted to hear. Again, not rocket science, but something that can be overlooked. 
And as always, look, you can't attend every single breakout session. So it was really great to have access to the app, which you can still log on to today and download all of those presentations. And that, my friends, is what I will be doing as soon as I finish recording this episode. The R is for relatedness. And this is all about how safe we feel with others. And how they played this one again was using the name tag and lanyard. So each name tag had our top five strengths printed on them, which means you could walk up to anyone and compare your strengths all day. It made conversations really easy, particularly if there are similarities. You love seeing people that have similar strengths to you. (laughs) It's quite nice. Um, And you're also, I guess, you're also drawn to the conference because of your love for the tool. So in terms of commonalities, it was very easy to chat with someone and compare experiences, but also find out, you know, what industry they're in, how they've used the tool, what experiences have they had with the tool, etc. So the conference is, I think this is the, it was the fourth year this year. Um, and there were a lot of people that used it as a bit of a reunion time. So to catch up with their Gallup Strengths Coach accreditation buddies or their former conference, like the previous year's conference buddies. So in that way, you may have felt that as a newbie, it was tough to break through into some groups. And on the first evening, that was my initial reaction. Uh, my social threat around relatedness, well, it was, you know, I, I felt something like, like oh, these, all these people know each other, or that's how it feels. But the good news was that, and remember that courtesy bus I mentioned earlier? Well, on the Tuesday afternoon, I'd missed it uh, for the first networking event. But fortunately, so had three other people. We'd all missed that bus by about a minute. So we ended up sharing an Uber to the event on the first evening. And that's when I met Katie Williamson. G'day, Katie, uh, from Fresno in California. And we ended up being really great buddies over the course of the three days. So I was lucky in that I was also co-facilitating with Adam, who had been to the conference a couple of times, and I fell into his group of amazing people. But I also had people reach out over the app from Australia to say that there was a group of Aussies there. And so that's another way that the app helped. So if you're concerned about meeting people, um, about walking into a group of complete strangers, you could have used the app to find some mates um, to catch up with prior. But at the end of the day, at a cocktail networking event, it's really about approaching groups that seem inclusive or happy to chat and taking it from there. And one of my favourite podcasters, Jordan Harbinger, talks a lot about this topic. And I also like the three-second rule. So that's if you make eye contact with someone, um, you only have three seconds to make the approach. If you wait any longer than that, you will overthink it and you won't say anything. So... That's really been really great advice for me and something that I also take with me to any type of event where that relatedness threat response seems to be sort of rearing its head. Also, the best breakout sessions were the ones which had some type of interactive element in them where you're asked to turn to the person next to you or get into groups of threes. This helped again um, because you were meeting more people uh, versus just sitting there and listening to a presentation. So Adam and I incorporated a lot of this stuff into our presentation and it really created an amazing amount of energy in the room. It was very lively. And I think it was just great standing up on stage and viewing everyone having these conversations. Love that. 
Okay, F, the final one is for fairness. And this is all about how fair we perceive the exchanges between people to be. And to be honest, I don't have too much to add to the F for fairness um, in relation to this conference. I guess all of the activities were inclusive. The range of speakers and content covered was diverse. Uh, there was representation between uh, an equal representation with men, women, colour, age, industries, experience, and more. So I think they did. When it's done, you don't even notice it's being done well. It's when maybe you notice that all the speakers are women that you that you put your hand up and say, "Hey, where's the diversity?" But when you've got diversity you don't notice it. In terms of fairness, again, they also gave everyone enough lead-up time to register for breakout sessions. So if you missed out on one, you couldn't really complain. That was on you. <laughs> and that is what I also think is fairness. Sometimes at conferences, things change, which is all part of managing event. Um, but if the change is miscommunicated or only communicated to some people and not others it can make it seem quite unfair and people may miss out. And that's something where the unfairness and, and that whole fairness trigger can be felt. So that's my quick recap of some cool and maybe just some, some standard things that you can think about in terms of incorporating it into your next event. And like I said, if you do it well, you don't really notice it. It's only when you sort of, when I look at this and I pull it apart and I think, yeah, this is where they did this and this is how they brought out the fairness and this is how they brought out the status and certainty. It's when you actually sort of take that analysis. But a lot of it's very simple. Um, I also shot a four and a half minute video of some highlights of the conference where I've included, it's basically a, a piece to camera with a few images and videos as well thrown in so you can see um, what it was like. And I'll link to that video in the show notes again at firsttimefacilitator.com slash episode 71. Okay, so what did you think? Have you ever had a conference experience which has either rewarded or threatened one of those five social constructs, status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, or fairness? Let me know. Give me the scoop. You can DM me on Insta at Leanne Hughes, or like I said earlier, connect with me on LinkedIn. Next week, I'll be back with interviews. Again, this is all an experiment, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the new format shift and... Most of all, I look forward to chatting to you next week. Have a wonderful week and I hope you rock and kill those workshops that you're delivering. Cheers. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the First Time Facilitator podcast. If you'd like to stay in touch when the show is over, join our free community on Facebook. It's called The Flip Chart. Hop onto Facebook and search for The Flip Chart. On there, you can find a ton of great first-time facilitators and experienced facilitators around the world, just sharing our resources, knowledge, games, tips, activities. And most recently, I posted on there about a speaker. I was wondering you know, what speaker should I buy for workshops when you play music during those break times? And I got a ton of great responses. So I'd love to see you in the community on there. Otherwise, have a wonderful week. Talk to you next week.